Psalm 139 this morning. We're going to do something we've never done at Calvary Chapel before on Memorial Day weekend. And we are going to honor those people that have been a part of us and are now with the Lord, not just the vets. And I'll get into that, but let's read our text before we go any farther. Where Paul was reading Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18. My favorite psalm. I know I say that a lot, but this one really is. Psalm 139. Verse 13, for you have formed my inward parts, and you have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more than number than the sand, and when I awake, I am still with you. Psalm 139 is unique because it describes for us uh, the different attributes of uh, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, He is all-knowing. We have a theological word we call omniscient. There isn't anything that he doesn't know. He knows all things, the beginning from the end. The other thing about our creator is that he's omnipresent. That means that there isn't any place. As David points out here, where can I go from your spirit? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. And um, that term is um, called omnipresent. But he's also all-powerful, and we have the term omnipotent, that uh, there isn't anything in his power that he cannot do. Somebody trying to be cute said, well, could God make a rock so big that he couldn't lift it? And the answer to that question is, God doesn't answer ridiculous questions. (laughs) Yeah. This really is my, my favorite psalm. I remember the first time I heard it. I was sitting in a car, and somebody said, hey, listen to this. This is a great psalm. And they just began in verse 1 and read the whole thing through. And um, I just fell in love with it. Uh, I've entitled the morning's message, The Lord Knows You. And that's basically what David is acknowledging. The um, omniscience, the omnipresence, the omnipotent of our Heavenly Father in his greatness describing his attributes. This morning I'd like to look at three topics drawn from Psalm 139. And like I said, it's something we've never done here at Calvary before. And it's remembering our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are now in heaven. And then number two, I want to talk about abortion. Those who never had a chance, yet were known to our Lord, those aborted, before they could make a statement in this planet, in this little dash that you have from the time you were born until the time that you're taken to heaven. So I will address that issue. And thirdly, and finally, I want to remember um, our death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior and my best friend, Jesus. And I'm just going to call him Jesus because I, I don't want to belittle his title or his authority. He is a creator. He is God. But... Um, To this day, we still use the theme song from Malcolm and Alwyn, Fool's Wisdom. 
And basically, the first line is, I got myself some wisdom from a leatherback book. I got myself a savior when I took a second look. And it's called Fool's Wisdom. He's a friend of mine. And um, that is what he, I, I say that because that's what he said to me. He says, I call you friends because I'm going to tell you everything. He says, a servant doesn't tell um, his, a master doesn't tell his servant everything. But a friend, if you have a good friend, well, they'll tell, they'll, they know exactly what's going on and they'll tell you everything. So I call him friend because he calls me friend. Don't misunderstand me. I reverence him as the creator. And um, every knee will bow someday, as our lives should indeed. But it's Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day was born out of the Civil War as a desire to honor our dead. It was officially proclaimed on May 5th, 1868, by General John Logan, National Commander of the Grand Army of the Republic, in his General Order Number 11, the 30th of May, 1868, is designated for the purpose of strewing with flowers or otherwise decorating the graves of comrades who died in defense of their country during the late rebellion and whose bodies now lie in almost every city, village, and hamlet, churchyard in this land. He proclaimed the date of Decoration Day, as he called it, was chosen because it wasn't any, uh, it wasn't the anniversary of any particular battle. Now, as we remember not only those who uh, died on the field, this morning, I'd like you to turn back to, I, we put Deuteronomy 5 up there, that's my fault. It's actually Deuteronomy chapter 34. And um, let's go back there before I go any farther. And I just want to explain that we live in a fast paced world when one of our loved ones die we call the funeral home we make arrangements we set up a time for the service the meal the gathering and uh, pretty much in one day it's over and everybody goes home it's not that we forget them but uh, the brevity of time um, is not the way it used to be in Deuteronomy 34 we have the death of Moses who had brought the children of Israel out of the promised land. I want to draw your attention to verse 5. When the Lord called them home at the age of uh, young age of 120. So verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab op- opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows where his grave is to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, and his natural vigor abated. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning of Moses ended. We're not talking an afternoon. We're not talking a day. We're not talking a week. We're talking a whole month where they wept and cried for that person that had guided them and led them right to the very doors of uh, the promised land. And I want to sort of just begin because we don't do that today. And one of the reasons we're going to do what we're doing this morning is try to get back and um, with our busy schedules on this Memorial Day weekend and actually remember our friends and talk about them a little bit. And I'm going to have you turn to the book of Proverbs at this time. 
Proverbs 10, and we'll just look at one verse. Proverbs 10. Looking at verse 7, it says, The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. And it's a blessing sometimes when we think back on our brothers and sisters in the Lord who have gone on before us. Revelation twenty-two twelve says that he's going to come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. These men and women that we're going to talk about this morning are people who have run the race on this planet. They live that dash and now they're home. And what we're going to do this morning, and um, I'm going to kind of wing it with some of them. And please hear me ahead of time. We're putting names on the list as I speak, as I walked out the door remembering. We're going to forget somebody, and I apologize ahead of time. Please don't be offended. If you have a loved one that I miss, please tell me about it. So uh, say, you know, you missed somebody, and I can get it right for the second service. Okay? All right, so with that, we put together a PowerPoint And they're going to go, as I comment on them, some of these people go way back. And um, it's in loving memory of people that most of you here will know. If you're newer to the church, maybe not some of the older ones. But the first one here is a picture of um, a trees. Uh, This is outside the church. That bench was dedicated by somebody in a fellowship for my mom. But there's two trees and uh, there, there's a plaque on both of them. And the first gal's name is Gail Barger. And um, when Gail went to be with the Lord, I did the service down in Madison, Wisconsin. That's where they were from. And the second one is Paul Schultz. The other tree there has his plaque. Paul's quite a guy. Um, he would drive every Sunday from Wapaka. He started the community church in Wapaka, but wasn't pleased with 100% of their doctrine. So even though he started the church, he would drive down here every Sunday. I did his funeral in Wapaka. I became legal guardian to his son, Greg, until he was of age, and Greg still lives in the area today. So that's Paul um, Schultz. He was a carpenter and um, uh, just a, a lovely man. The next one? is a man named John Sullivan. John died of cancer up in a hospital. My recollections of John, I didn't know John very well, except that he shared the Lord with um, some nurses that were taking care of them. For those of you who know Jerry Block, I grew up with Jerry. I saw him last week at the funeral over at Calvary Bible. And John led Jerry's sister to the Lord while he was dying of cancer. And that's my recollections of John. The next one is Barry Clark. Some of you old-timers remember Barry. Uh, Barry was a very talented, gifted musician and um, played on our worship team for a while. And um, he was a good friend, especially to those that were musically inclined in our fellowship. Next one is John Heineman. A lot of the people we couldn't find pictures of. So again, we apologize ahead for that. John is one of those guys who, when we had our retreats on Memorial Day weekend up at Pine River, well, he would come along. Well, he fell in love with Pine River, just loved it. And so he bought a piece of property up there, put his trailer up there, 
And for years, that's where he would, he would go. He would go to the Pine River. Uh, John is one of two people who happened to be at bedside when Jesus took him home. Mary got a call from Linda Heinemann. Some of you know Linda. She might be here for the second service, or maybe she, Linda, are you here now? Not probably second service. And uh, John and Linda had their sons, Rocky and Saul, married both of them. Make sure you got that right, how I said that. I married both of them. They married girls, just so we're clear on that. Okay. They, they're both cowboys. <laughs> they ended up in Wyoming and uh, still love and serve the Lord. But the Wild West was calling them, so that's where they ended up. And uh, John, when he knew he was going to pass, uh, Linda called Mary and said, it's pretty close, and they're asking if I would come up. Well, he was actually waiting for me. I wasn't in the room five minutes. We prayed, and he went to heaven just like that. He had that, uh, for those guys that are mechanics, and if you needed a tool, he was the guy with the truck that went around town and would bring you whatever wrench you needed at any time. That was John's business. Um, One of the guys, this is just coming to me now, one of the guys that attended the funeral was so impressed with John's life. Uh, He worked at um, um, Miller Electric, And he says, because of John Heinemann, I want to dedicate this generator to Haiti. A lot of people don't know that story, but there's a little behind-the-scenes impact that John had on another person's life that caused them to have a heart because John had a heart for Haiti and as a result was involved in getting us a very good deal on a very big generator uh, for, for Haiti. Well, then there's Robert Edwards Sr. and Robert Edwards Jr. They died three months apart in 2001. To this day, after every Sunday service, I'd go say hi to John Sr. He lived at the Franciscan Nursing Home on the north side of Double O, and I would go and visit him, and he had, would have, we had, it was all tapes back in those days, guys. <laughs> and he would have a stack of tapes that he would listen to. And um, if you knew Bob Sr., you knew that you were going to get a story, and you'd have to wait for the punchline. And uh, that's just the way he was. And what could I say about Bob Edwards and all that he's done in his service for the Lord? The Lord called him and Claudia. Claudia's 80th birthday is this weekend. She might be watching. Happy birthday, Claudia, if you're watching. She's 80, and she's getting together with her sisters in Chicago. Bob and Claudia, um, of course, the Edwards family, Eric and the rest of the the families, many of them still involved with Calvary. I remember, I would just say that Bob represented gospel for Asia. KP loved him because he spoke with such a passion for the lost. He would always break up and he could never get through talking about the lost without tearing up and, and having his heart totally into the lost people in India and in Asia. This next one is very personal to me. I remember, this is Bill Waters, a pastor of Calvary Chapel, Plainfield, December 27th, the same day that um, Reggie White died and the big tsunami hit on the other side of the world. Those are my memories. It was over the holidays, so I was driving up to my brother's up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I stopped in Marshfield, where Bill was going in for open heart surgery. And I Julie wasn't there, and I finally got her, got her on the phone. She was shopping. Everything was fine as far as she was concerned. 
And there was complications with a valve on, on Bill's heart. He was only 48. His father also died of this, the same problem at the age of 48. I went online and listened to um, um, a YouTube album by Bill Waters. He was very well known in the valley here with his own band. One of the guitar players is playing with Paul Simon to this day. And I'll tell you, I listened to their vocals and their harmonies a couple days ago, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash has nothing up on the Bill Waters band. Let me tell you that. That's how, that's how good they were. I've taken Bill to India with me. I first met him at the first Pilgrim's Cafe, introduced him to his wife, Julie, who I call Jules. Congrats, congrats to Jules. I hear she's getting married. Congratulations, Jules. Dennis almost said. And uh, I'll be mentioning a little bit more about that in just a little bit. I miss this guy a lot. And um, he was a dear, dear friend of mine. And for many years, he held uh, the Christian Festival out there in Plainsfield, bringing the best Christian musicians in for many, many years. And it was something we look forward to every year going out, out there. The next one is Mike Ziegler. Again, I couldn't find a picture of Mike. I remember the day Mike knocked on my door and told me he had cancer. And uh, he loved going to Israel. He went to Israel when he was healthy. He went to Israel when one of his last things, wishes, was, I have to go to Israel one more time. He got close to our guide, Zev Eisner, who was always asking about Mike. And Mike uh, went to be with the Lord and loved the Lord, was a great brother. The next one is Don Leonard. Don is from Southern California. He moved here because uh, Jed, his son, was on staff here years ago. And um, Don was part of our senior study um, before he passed. And um, again, he's uh, the, the father of Jed. And um, Don was a, just a sweet guy, and he went to be with the Lord. Then we have Leon and Mary Gabriel. They started coming to church because of their son, Mark. Mark has a, a real passion, a real zeal. Um, he will be one of those guys that continually, even to this day, you'll probably find him out picketing at the abortion clinic. Uh, he's very passionate about it. And uh, he was the son of Leon and Mary. What I remember about Leon is he loved to talk about football because he was a running back. And he had pictures of him, you know, with the ball in his hand. And he was just a short guy and um, never really thought of him as a ball player. But uh, I played softball last Monday night, and I didn't think I'd be doing that at 64 either, but it happens. I'm glad I can still do it. I praise the Lord that I can. The next one is Danny Strong. No, let's see. Do I, do I have my pages mixed up here? Let's wait. I might have my pages mixed up. Let's see. I have... Um, no, let's see. I know who that is, but I've got to find him here now. Um, just bear with me a second. Um, oh, no, we're, we're good. This is Matt Gurgis. Matt is a doctor. He's an eye doctor from Green Bay. Um, he had a beautiful wife, and I can't remember her name. They would drive down from Milwaukee. She grew up in a home fellowship that was King James only. And the closest they were happy with was a church that would teach through the Bible like we did. So Dr. Matt um, had brain cancer. He had a tumor. 
who was an eye doctor, and the cancer that he had was actually behind his eye. And uh, a dear brother, and um, we'll go on now. I think Danny Strom is next. Now, this is really going back. Um, when we first moved up here, and I'll show another brother's name that I came up here with in 1975, we went to work at the Allegheny County Health Center. Danny Strom was one of the people on staff there, and a lot of people got saved while we were there, and Danny happened to be one of them. He had a Les Paul, and he was a mean lead guitar player. He loved music, and we were actually in a group, a trio together, Mike Dangle and Danny Strom and myself. And Danny had diabetes. I could get really sidetracked. How much time I got here? I can tell a quick story. His wife, Sam, came to me one time and said she needed a hoy lift uh, to get him in and out of bed and because um, she couldn't, couldn't do it on her own. And um, I said, well, well, we'll try to find one. So we thought about it, and, and a guy was delivering wood over to my house one day, and he's, I had a circled driveway. And when he was coming in, he didn't know it, but he caught my fence and took it right out. I mean, it was wasted. So he gets in the back where the wood is. He says, so how's your day going? I says, it was good until you got here. You just took out my fence, man, in the front yard. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. He says, I'm going I'm to take care of it. And I was dressed for a funeral or a wedding. I don't remember what. And I said, I'll tell you what, make you a deal. You charge to, to unload it and stack it. But let's call it even if you unload it and stack it. And he says, what are you all dressed up for? And I told him it was either a wedding or a funeral. And he says, no kidding. He says, um, what, what do you, what's your main job? Is this what you do for a living? He says, oh, no, no, no. I sell hospital furniture and equipment. And I says, really? Um, any chance you could find me a used Hoya lift? And he had his phone in his ear. And at that moment, he just stopped everything. He made a call. And he says, I need an FP2337 Hoya lift delivered to, what's your address, sir? And um, her prayer was a Hoya lift for her husband. And the Lord supernaturally got her a Hoya lift, $2,500, absolutely free. So praise the Lord for my fence being taken out and all that. The next one is um, Carol Mall. We don't have a picture. This would be Paul Mall and Chris Burnett's mom. Uh, she was one mean Italian cook, and uh, it's been passed down to Christine. Paul, unfortunately, is, uh, has uh, received none of those gifts or talents whatsoever, but Christine has all of them. The next one is George Markey. George was one of the first Calvary Chapel pastors in the Midwest in Indiana. He had seven kids, and his heart was in uh, Kiev, in the Ukraine. And I told him, don't go, not with seven kids, not knowing the language. And he would go, and, and every year he'd come back frustrated, nothing was happening. And we would bring him up here. Maybe, maybe you remember when George was still with us, that when he was in the States, he was always up, Calvary Appleton sharing. Well, he didn't give up. And uh, today, there are Calvary chapels all over the Ukraine. And it's all because of this man, George Markey. Um, we tried to bring him back to the States. Calvary, uh, Mike McIntosh, I think they put up three quarters of a million to, to get a special plane to get him back. But um, the Lord had other, other plans. So he's my good friend. Miss him dearly. That's George Markey, Calvary Chapel, Crawf uh, Crawfordsville, I believe. 
The next one, this is, this is Harold uh, Dello. His, some of his daughters, I think, still go here. My first job after Bible college was being a painter. I worked as a union, and, and Whitey was the uh, apprentice. I was the apprentice, and he was the journeyman. And he treated me like an apprentice. And one day I was so upset with him because he was on my case so much, I was going to tell him off. So I went up to him and I said, Whitey, we called him Whitey, 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 you are the hardest guy I've ever had to love in the world. <laughs> that's what I said. But that's what took to break him because the next day he started asking questions. Long story short, he got saved, started having Bible studies in his house, his wife gets saved, his kids get saved, married both of his daughters, and um, I think one of them still, still attends Calvary. But we called him Whitey, and Whitey is uh, born again, and he's home with the Lord. The next one is Stan Makarski. This is Phyllis's husband. For 50 years, he was the stenographer. Now, this is a tough job. Uh, every judge and lawyer in town knew Stan. And he's the guy that records everything in the court office on that machine. And so you got to be sharp and good. And when we did Stan's funeral, uh, we had a lot of judges and a lot of lawyers in the audience. And he told Phyllis, you make sure he gets it right with the gospel to my friends. And he came up with a song by Julie Miller that was called, I Don't Care Where You Bury Me, that done along with um, Emmy Lou Harris. And uh, it really rocked. And I remember asking Phyllis, Phyllis, you really sure you want this at the funeral? She says, absolutely. You let it go. And we did. And so this is Phyllis's husband. Phyllis is, will be here in second service. She always is. Next is Sherry Shaw. Sherry was with us for a couple years. Um, she was married uh, to, I um, can't remember his first name, but he owns Leon's, I think to this day, down in, down in uh, Oshkosh. And um, Sherry had brain cancer, and um, I wish I could remember her more. I, I don't. I remember doing the service and remember talking with her and getting to know her a little bit. The next one is Jenny Erickson. She's got quite a story. Um, she came here only because she thought it was good to have her kids brought up in Sunday school, but she wasn't saved. And how she got saved is she was putting the kids in, in bed one night and... Um, they would say their prayers. And uh, she was standing in the door, and she heard one of her children pray, Lord, please save Mommy. She doesn't know you. And it broke her right there. I cannot tell you of a gal who witnessed, after she was born again, it was more passionate. She was a caregiver for people who had cancer. And um, the last person she took care of was a person that had a type of cancer that was extremely painful. Morphine wouldn't touch the pain that this guy went through. Well, that was the kind of cancer that Jenny had. And I remember her wasting away, and, um, uh, but still just loving the Lord. She married Tim um, Erickson here. Tim will probably be here. Tim, you just here the first service? He'll be here the second. And uh, she's buried up in the cemetery in Pine River. Beautiful girl. Home with the Lord. The next one is Jim Cotton. I wish I had a picture of Jim. It was Jim and I that came up to start the Bible study here in Appleton from the Shiloh House in Oshkosh in 75. 
And um, Jim just couldn't, you know, he came out of that culture of the 60s. It's really hard for him to transition uh, with the times. But uh, he, he was always on the streets, always witnessing for the Lord. I count him a dear, dear friend. I probably wouldn't be in Appleton right now if it wasn't for this guy. I did his service down in uh, Oshkosh with the, with the family several years ago. Next one is Dale McKellips. What can I say about this guy except he's a man's man? The picture that I would like to show you of Dale would be him standing on a 200-foot stack chimney from one of our paper mills here, and he's standing there without any safety equipment on and a sledgehammer, and he's taking it down one brick at a time. I mean, it's the greatest picture you could ever imagine. And um, when he started hearing messages from Calvary, well, that was it. And um, he got saved, the kids got saved. They, they live out near um, Hortonville, out, out there. And, and uh, Marlene just went to be with the Lord just recently, the uh, last couple of years. She had my memories of Marlene as she suffered, with, like my mom, with um, terrible uh, arthritis. And uh, all, especially the wintertime, just really got her. I'm glad the Lord's given her a new body and she's home. The next one is Addie Chudy. Now, Dan and Chris Lane, they tell me they watch every Sunday. So Dan and Chris, we want to remember your mom, Addie Chudy. Also, Bob Chudy was uh, the son of, of Addie. She's been with the Lord for a while. She loved golden retrievers. She always had at least two at any given time. That's what I remember about Addie. Then there's Larry Warren. Larry was the postmaster. Um, Mel? Uh, what city? Hortville? Fremont, in Fremont. Well, Mel and Linda, after church on Sunday, would take a tape or a CD and somewhere during the week would give it to Larry and over a period of time, um, Larry came to the Lord. He then contracted Lou Gehrig's disease. He was baptized up at um, Nature's Edge, if I remember correctly. He was in a wheelchair. I can still see him sitting in the back. He could only communicate through the, through the computer. But um, um, just a word of encouragement, keep giving those tapes away. You never know the effect it's going to have on somebody's life. And um, that would be Larry Warren. He's home with the Lord this morning. I could have p- taken a different picture of my dad, but I picked this one. Uh, because it's Memorial Day, that's dad when he's uh, 17 years old. And if you think you have to be 18, you're absolutely right. He lied to get into the Navy. (laughs) But that's my dad. He went to be with the Lord in 2009. I miss him. And um, his life just was never the same after he met the Lord in a miraculous way. Then uh, then there's my mom. And... um, You can't argue with me about this. She is the best mother on the planet. Nobody can come close. And uh, she loved her kids unconditionally, every single one of us, except she loved me more. That's what she told me, that I was her favorite. And I remind my brothers and sisters about that all the time. All right, so that's mom. I miss miss my mother dearly. Jim Bennett. My memory of Jim is this. We were on a trip to Israel, and Lori, his wife at that time, was coming back, and Jim had called ahead, and he wanted the bus to stop on Highway 41 so he could pick her up. 
And uh, I'm saying this isn't going to happen. I was trying to explain this to him. But the guy who was driving actually went along with it. So here we are pulling over on 441 in the middle of nowhere, and here's Jim waiting. And uh, he he just, it was only another two miles to the church, but he wanted her then. And that's my memory, memory of Jim. So Jim's with the Lord. Tom Mater. Tom is a godly man who's been known in his community by many for many years. Many years under Pastor Spina over at First Assembly. And again, another man's man who's home with the Lord. And then there's Bill Ranke. He's also with the Lord. And uh, they were farmers out by um, High Cliff State Park Road. They had a farm out in that area. And then we have our beloved Walt. I think the girl on, on the left there really loves that guy. I can tell by the way she's looking at him. That's Walt Field uh, from Southern California. And uh, we miss Walt terribly. I know Sandy does. And uh, he was our seniors pastors here for many years. His voice, I was after him for years to record the Bible because of the voice that, that Walter had. My memories of Walt towards the end was, None of this means anything. That's what he told us. He's talking about stuff in particular. And he says, none of this means nothing. I mean, my life, I, I gathered stuff here and stuff there. But when you're looking at the inevitable, then it means absolutely nothing. Next one is Marilyn Spoor. Ruth is usually here for the second service. It was Marilyn, when Ruthie got saved, uh, she was outside crying because she just realized her sins were forgiven, and Marilyn came out and said, what's up? And she says, well, I just gave my heart to Jesus. And Marilyn says, well, that's good, because we've been praying for you all the time. And she says, you want to come to church with us tomorrow? And she said, yes. And um, Ruth has been here ever since, and her life has changed, and God is using her in an incredible way. Marilyn Spoor. She was a school teacher in the Nina district for many, many years. Very good friends with the Johnsons, Scott Johnson's parents. Now, Mark Ziegers is uh, part of the fellowship. He died in a shower of um, asthma. He was young. He would, Mary told me he was the guy who would come and get the news bites every Wednesday night and take them and make sure everybody got one because he wanted people to know what was going on. This is obviously his marine picture. We picked that one. Next one is Ed Gaines. Ed is a dear friend of mine. He is a, a black pastor from Calvary Chapel, Cincinnati, and I always had a great time with Ed. He went to be with the Lord. He had to have blood transfusions three times a week, but that did not keep him off the missionary field. He would call ahead and say, how can I have my blood recycled in this country? So um, he got cancer, and when he got the cancer along with the, um, um, the blood transfusions he needed, he had a talk with his wife. He says, well, we could do one of two things here. We could make it easy and just not go on to dialysis. How are you going to handle that? And they talked it through, and he decided he wanted to go home instead, and it was okay with his wife. So my good friend Ed, um, I called him. Uh, I gave him a message, but it was when I called him in Cincinnati, the guys were in there, and they just said, Dwight said, he's, he loves you, and he's, he's praying for you, and he's home. The next one is uh, Rob Harris. This would be Ellen Harris's um, 
husband. I remember the day he died. Ellen called us, and he passed away at home of cancer. Ellen is up in the UP, but over the holidays, she might come down. We see her from time to time. And then there's uh, Lori Schubert. Lori was a part of the fellowship for a while. And I apologize because I don't know a whole lot about Lori. Then we have Zach Cameron. Zach, of course, is the son of Paul and Gloria. And um, uh, he'll be dearly missed. We loved Zach. And I know Memorial Day is tough on on parents, but uh, we want to remember Zach and our love for him. So that's Paul and Gloria's son, Zach. Lori Rainmaker. Uh, Lonnie, I should say. We put this up in honor of, of uh, Donna Rathke. This is her brother-in-law. And Donna is such a big part of our, our family here that I wanted to acknowledge him. Then there's Peter Keberline. Peter just had a great sense of humor. and um, But he was never the same. He got a stroke, ended up at a nursing home, and it was really hard. He's just sort of shut down. And... Um, He just wanted to go home, and the Lord finally took Peter home. I have great memories of him when we put on this addition. He was always here working out and helping. Then there's Bev Seafelt. She just recently went to be with the Lord. And and, um, guys, I told you we'd be talking about you this morning. So this is Bev, and um, her son is Alan Mitchell. Alan went to be with the, the Lord this, this last couple of years. When was it, guys? When did Alan go? Last year? Last year it was. Okay. And we were all around bedside, and um, nothing but peace in this man's heart as he talked about um, being ready uh, and just wanting to be around his family before the Lord took him home. Then there's Dave Hunt, who I, there's a couple here that I have to mentioned that have been mentors in my life and, and uh, was such an admirer of Dave Hunt and his stand, especially in eschatology. My father uh, loved Dave Hunt and would read him continually. I've got to make sure I'm watching my clock here like, and keep going. And um, one Christmas, Dave had called because when Dave would call me, we didn't talk about the Lord. We talked about Garden of Life products. And I said, Dave, it's Christmas time. My dad is reading the Brian call right now. Would you say Merry Christmas to him? And he said, sure. So I went in. I said, Dad, somebody wants to talk to you. He says, I'm busy. And I said, I think you want to take this one. So I took the phone in and, and gave it to Dad. And he says, hi, Larry. This, this is Dave Hunt. And he knew it was because he recognized his voice. My dad went speechless for the next 30 seconds. Didn't know what to say. T.A. McMahon will be with us uh, his right Hand will be with us for the Prophecy Conference this fall. Pastor Chuck, what can I say? He is our mentor. He is um, um, what um, Timothy, Paul would be to Timothy. Chuck is to me. I'm a Timothy, and Chuck is a Paul. Uh, He demonstrated by actions how to do ministry. And um, I have no words that I can really come up with to describe my love and appreciation for Pastor Chuck Smith. Bill Hofstadler, uh, the carpet that you're looking at here was all put down by Bill. His knees were shot, and he had, I think he had a stroke, if I remember right. His mom is 
here many times on Friday mornings, folding bulletins. I'm sure she's probably watching this morning. And the Hofstetters, um, Lori goes way back to the first church. That would be her sister. Then there's Jesse Torres. And the reason I'm doing this this morning is because Mary said on Friday that it was exactly two years to the date that Jesse went to be with the Lord, Memorial Day weekend. And um, what love we had. This is the other person that had the family gathered around him when the Lord took him home. And uh, we were... We were there when it happened. And he was our board member and our beloved brother for many, many, many years. I know Frances misses him terribly. I don't see her. She's probably second service. Um, wish Reuben was here last week. I wish she was here this week. Um, then we have Rick Erdman. Rick, of course, you wouldn't see Rick during a conference without a camera. He's always taking pictures of everybody and anybody. And um, didn't miss anything. His health failed at the end, and I was personally glad to see the Lord take him home because he just couldn't get around anymore. He wanted to be in church all the time, but uh, the frailty of his, of his uh, disease was taking away his back and his legs. Steve Mays was one of the original Calvary Chapel pastors, um, a good friend of mine. He oversaw the Calvary Chapel Outreach Fellowships for several years. And uh, he was a bad dude before he got saved. Lived on the streets, uh, carried a gun with him at all times. And all I can say is he got radically born again and had um, one of the top 100 largest churches in uh, the country, in uh, Southern California. Of course, our beloved Betty in Bastia, hard to believe that she's not here. And um, two funerals, one in Haiti, where her in... Bastia have changed a whole community and area in rural Haiti because of her love for, for Haiti. She was our first gal to uh, go to Bible school. She was the first one to oversee our women's ministry here, and uh, we'll miss her greatly. Then we have Ruth Christian Sr. This gal was playing racquetball into her 70s, and she liked to play with the guys. And uh, Ruth is also very gifted and talented in that way. Uh, she went to be with the Lord this last year. Of course, she's, uh, Ruthie's got her mom's name. Then we have uh, Betty Wolf. Betty um, is the mother of Tom Wolf. Tom and Carrie are usually over here, so second service. I saw them last week. Uh, she grew up on Lake Winnebago on Harrison. Um, just down the street where Judy and I were until the pipes broke. <laughs> and um, so that's Betty Wolf. And then, of course, we have uh, just recently, within the last couple of weeks, we have John and Olivia Stoffel. John went to Calvary Chapel Bible College uh, for many years. Uh, uh, the kids were here in, uh, in the Sunday school, Sunday school classroom. And um, John Scott would... They lived by the Johnsons and Nina and in that neighborhood, and they would often stop and talk with Scott and Charlene, and uh, were just extremely open. And here's a man who lived and demonstrated the Christian life, made a huge impact. One of the things Scotty told me is that he wished he could do more for the Lord. And um, it's interesting how his death has brought glory to the name of Jesus, and um, of course, that's, oh, the good news is we got uh, 
a, a text yesterday, today is, uh, no, the day before on Friday, and it just said, Aaron is out of the hospital. So that's the good news. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is uh, the, fa- the father and daughter who were killed in Fritz Park in Menasha a couple weeks ago. Then there's Larry Bruski. The reason we know Larry, he's just an Israel friend. One of the great things about going to Israel is you get tight with people when you're with them every day for a couple weeks. And um, he just died this last week also. Now, the names I'm going to mention next, that's pretty much it, but they're, we're coming in the, up with people that we forgot in the prayer room. I want to remember Lamar McNeil, the son of Mike McNeil. He had a twin. It was one of the largest funerals we've ever had. The whole high school turned out uh, for Lamar's funeral. So I want to mention him. Then there's Sadie Hoffensberger. You can't travel around this town. Art and, Art and Shirley are there. You couldn't, you couldn't travel anywhere. Oh, there's, there's a, um, Sylvia. Is it Sylvia? Yeah. Well, they were twins. Sylvia, stand up, honey. Will you please? The, 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 remember her? The other half of her looks just like her. <laughs> and that would have been Sadie. And uh, we want to honor Sadie and Sylvia. And God bless you, Jerry. We want to remember uh, your sister this morning and uh, on Memorial Day. You couldn't go anywhere in town without seeing these two together. All right, then we have Linda Balliott's mother. This would be Dirk and Linda Balliott. Dirk's usually out on the couch because of his back. And um, um, she was baptized shortly before she went to be with the Lord. Um, Bob McMahon, involved with starting McMahon and Associates here in town, were a part of this fellowship for many, many years. Mike and Katie Crow. Katie was a McMahon on the mission field as long as I can remember from the early 70s. And uh, they email me often with their updates from their work in China. But Bob McMahon was a godly man. God blessed him, and he used a lot of his resources to support ministry. Almost through, um, we can't, I can't let this go. I'd forgotten uh, my friend Zane Huff who was an incredible musician, always witnessing for the Lord, very zealous for the Lord, and I count Zane as a good friend. I apologize if I miss somebody, but if I don't get going, we're going to be in big trouble uh, as far as Bible studies go. So I think that's it. We'll leave that there, and I'm going to have you turn now at this time to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I have to move along. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's just read the first five verses. Where are they now? This is the hope that we have. It says, For we know that if our earthly house's tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly desire to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. When each one of these dear loved ones we looked at, when they closed their eyes and took their last breath, 
They opened their eyes and they found themselves in a new body. To be absent, it's instantaneous. The first resurrection, the first fruits, was Jesus was the first fruits according to 1 Corinthians 15. But then anybody who's a Christian that dies after that, absent from that body, present with the Lord. An instantaneous uh, translation. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul was teaching this idea, and uh, he wanted to explain to them the order of events when a loved one dies. Will Will you ever see them again? So we read in verse 13, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow at others who have no hope. So here he's saying, I don't want you guys to be ignorant of what happened to all those people that we just looked at. I want you to know what happened to them, and I want you to know that you're going to see them again. Verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Now it's so important, gang, that you understand verse 14. What does it say? It tells us when Jesus comes again, who's coming with him? Is it clear enough? Just give me an amen if you, if you got it. Amen. So when Jesus comes, who's coming with him? All those who died, and the Lord is going to bring them back with him. Now, it's important that you understand that so there won't be any confusion with verse 15 and 16. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive or have an advantage over those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will have risen first is a proper explanation there. And if you're confused and it says it doesn't say that, then you have to go back to verse 14. When something is unclear, then go back to something that is clear. What is clear? Verse 14. What is clear? 2 Corinthians 5. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we get raptured, We're going to be raptured and in the presence not only of the Lord, but of all those loved ones that went on before us. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. The word is rapturos, where we get the word rapture from. Together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's Memorial Day. Praise the Lord. You're going to see that loved one again. Somebody say amen to that. I get to see mom and dad again. You get to see your loved ones again. They're waiting for us. No more pain, no more suffering. All that's gone forever. And um, it should make you (laughs) want to pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, let's get this thing done. But the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, is what he, he teaches us. Now, the pagan world in Thessalonica, the pagans had no hope. Uh, So for them, death was a frightening thing. In Thessalonica, they have found an inscription that says, after death, no reviving, after the grave, no meeting again. The the Greek uh, poet, uh, Theosaurus, wrote, hope hope are among the living, the dead are without hope. This was the belief of the ancient world. It's pretty pessimistic and doleful. We will see our loved ones again, Praise the Lord. God's word doesn't want you to be ignorant of this. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, some, back to Psalm 139. I knew I was going to be in a little bit of trouble this morning, but that's okay. Psalm 139, 
I want to talk about verses 14 through 16. It says, I was, verse 14, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My frame was not hid from you when I was in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your books they were all written, the days fashioned for me when yet there was none of them. We're talking about God knowing you before you were even in the womb. On May 18th, 2015, last Monday, our president said, based on, and I'm quoting now, my own Christian beliefs, our president told the Catholic Evangelical Leadership Summit that churches should spend less time on focusing on abortion and same-sex marriage. My respectful response to our president, uh, Obama, is the same response that Peter and John gave to the religious leaders of his time. You judge whether it is right in the sight of God to hearken unto you rather than to hearken unto God. Go ahead and judge. I'm told to preach the word, to be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Good time for an amen. And then all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction, and in righteousness. So I have to give all of it. This is clear. Uh, These issues that will be political issues are clear as far as the Bible, believing Christians, is concerned. It's my job to preach it, not to compromise with it. And I don't care if it's the President of the United States or any other person, because I don't have to give an account to him. I need to give an account to him. Good time for an amen. All right. Um, I'm going to skip just a little bit here and move ahead and just say that our culture would be so different today. Because since Roe v. Wade in 1973, 57,496,011 babies have been aborted. And our society today would be so different There's so many people who have wounded consciences that you can be healed of that. Just acknowledge that you made a mistake. And the Lord is gracious and he'll forgive you. Don't let the devil beat up on you if you were one of those who had an an abortion. Um, It begs a question to answer the question, when does life begin? Well, Psalm 139 answers, before we took our first breath and before the womb, he had it all marked out. I know and I believe every unborn child and every child under the age of accountability is in heaven, without a doubt. When David lost his son, uh, 1 Samuel 12, 22, and he says, while the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, and I said, who can tell whether God will be gracious to me, that the child may live? But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him but he shall not return to me. David knew that child was in heaven. And he's saying, I'm going to be with him someday. Some of you have lost. Maybe maybe you miscarried or you lost a a child. You're going to see that child again. Not as a baby, as a full-grown adult. And uh, and in his new body. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. We have a holiday of remembrance once a year. But our Lord wants us to remember his memorial all the time. Let's quickly turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll begin to wind this up this morning. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. we read it, and we'll read it again next Sunday. 
But the most important memorial on the screen at this time, I'm going to take a, a shot. I don't want to show the face of the Lord, but this is from a movie. And the old movies, they never showed the face of Jesus. And uh, so here he is in the Mount of Beatitudes. Um, of course, it's not, but it's an, it's an actor playing his part. And he's giving us instructions. And he says, for that which I received from the Lord, I give to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's Lord's death till he comes. We find here a memorial. The Lord Jesus wants us to remember, just like we remember our friends. Only he wants us to remember on a regular basis. Lord, we remember you and what you have done for us. And we simply want to be with you. Ushers, if you'll come at this time, we're going to have communion this morning. Like I said, it's good to shake things up every once in a while, get out of a routine. And uh, as we let you go this morning, we're going to have communion. The worship team is going to come out and close with a song, and you'll be dismissed uh, for your, your holiday weekend. But in John 14, the Lord says, I go to prepare a place for you. Let not your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again, and I will receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. The promise that he died and that he wants to be with you. And uh, he's got plans for us that we don't know about. But as we think on this Memorial Day, we'll close it by remembering the one that we love and serve the most. Amen? So, Lord, we just pray at this time that you'll bless as we remember you in communion on this Memorial Day, plus in the back of our minds, Lord, all these precious brothers and sisters who have gone before you. We honor them. We remember them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.